minister of God to the world. So we're so excited about the opportunity to put the Word of God in the hands and, most importantly, the hearts of those, in this case, in the continent of Africa and primarily the country of Malawi. And we are going to be working this week exclusively on the Chichewa language. And we're going to be doing a, a, a TR a translation, or actually, it's actually literally from the King James. It'll be checked against the TR later, and uh, we're excited about this project. We're excited about all that God is doing in regard to getting the word where it needs to go on time. If you're wanting to know more about those details, you'll be hearing it throughout the week, and we're excited about that. If you're a guest, we're glad that you came this morning. We have guests uh, from all over the metro and uh, all over the probably the country. I know we have one special guest here, Alan Johnson, with Wings of Bearing Precious Seed. Alan, if you could stand, I want to just uh, acknowledge you. He's come in. Uh, he is with uh, Wings of Bearing Precious Seed. Yeah, thank you for coming. And uh, He's a missionary to the world, so he's here as well. Just because of the Bible conference, he's come in, and, and we're hoping to be able to partner and help him out with some scripture projects in the future. So thank you, brother, for being here. Appreciate you taking time out of your life and schedule to come and join us this week. Um, and, of course, as always, during our conference, we have a, uh, you know, a, it's a working conference. This isn't uh, one of the conferences like we have in the Spring Vision Conference where you come and you, you just come and listen to the preaching. This is a put-your-hands-to-work conference. And so uh, before we put our hand at the plow, though, uh, every, of course, on Sunday we'll have two sessions today. Uh, Pastor Mark Trotter will be coming in just a moment, and uh, I want to give him his proper introduction. And then we'll have sessions throughout the uh, tonight and then each night throughout the week as well this week as we've added nourishment and knowledge so during nourishment time during our lunch time throughout the week uh, we will have devotions and so pastor mark pastor randy will be sharing the word of god throughout that time so it's going to be an exciting week and i hope you guys are fired up hope you got your schedules cleared off so we can all put our hands to the plow together i know i'm excited and i'm excited for what we're going to hear this morning from the word of god mark trotter man brother you're dear to me uh i have it's so wild to be get. I mean, we, we we just had a good time yesterday, hanging out, rapping. Uh, just not literally rapping, though. I for, we actually haven't talked about that. We both have that in common as well. And so, um, I like to listen to rap. I wouldn't say I rap. I can break dance, though. You can rap and I can break. You know, so it'll be all be good. So, uh, at any rate, so we're so we're so glad. Uh, you know, Mark is just a, you know, he's a preacher of preachers, and it's a great privilege to, to have him in our church any time. But in God's providence, uh, this is a really special week. It's a special project. This is, a, this is really a special moment um, in, in our lives uh, as individuals, as churches, and not because of us, obviously, but because of Jesus Christ and the work that he is doing among the uh, Chichewa-speaking peoples. And, uh, man, I'm just so excited about what God has done providentially. I don't know if you know the story, but this, uh, you know, Pastor Mark has been working so diligently with Palira Chibwana and the Passion Center in Malawi, Africa, training men, faithful men uh, for years now, investing in them. And, and they're growing and they're going, and praise God for that. And Pastor Randy, uh, who heads up the Word First Bible Publishing here at Heartland, uh, just had his, you know, he's just diligent. And in the midst of all the other trials that God has taken, taking Randy and Julie through, he noted this. Uh, he noted that there was a Chichewa New Testament project working, and they're working on the whole Bible. And, to hit, and I just want to give him all the, the credit. Of course, give God the credit. But, man, thank you, Randy, for being on your A-game and getting us in right at the very beginning, uh, knowing that that is, a, is very important to what God is doing in Malawi. And so we've been praying about this particular project, this particular day, this particular time, and not only what it means for 
the, the immediate need of getting the Word of God, a reliable Word of God into the Chichewa language, but also what it means with the whole counsel of God's Word being brought together in days yet future. So this isn't just a one and done. We're going to be working on this project and these types of projects in this language. I've, it's the Lord tarries, which we, you know, hopefully he's coming today, expect him today. Uh, but the reality is, is that, uh, you know, if the Lord tarries, we're going to be continuously working on these projects and you're going to see more Pastor Mark, and you're going to like it because he's an incredible preacher, an incredible pastor. Him and his wife, Sherry, right now are hailing from Atlanta, Georgia area. And, man, I just love you, brother. Won't you come up and preach to us? Give him a good HBF welcome. No, I am uh, honored to be here, for real. This is... Uh, I love Pastor Brian and Sister Amy, uh, and so it's always a wonderful time to be able to come and be with them. But man, to be working together on this uh, on this project, this—I don't know if there is anybody on the planet that appreciates this little thing that we're doing this week more than me. Uh, I. In 2009, I started leading teams from the local church that I was a part of in Columbus, Ohio, to Malawi. And uh, at that point, it was the poorest nation in the world right now. It's about the third. Um, But it's just crazy there. And uh, AIDS had wiped out pretty much a generation. And so there were orphans and widows everywhere. Uh, I have found that in the Word of God, God may kind of be partial to orphans and widows. And uh, so, man, we were just trying to get together with God in that. So in leading teams and all of that, it started to where I I was, uh, through the Malawians there, holding pastors' conferences and different things like that. God was using it in a significant way. But uh, it it just started morphing into something that was bigger than me uh, and bigger than what we were doing. And so we started what we now call the Passion Center for Pastors. And what it is is a three-year training program that is intense. And we are working with rural pastors. Most of Malawians live in rural rural areas. Rural is a hard word to say, evidently. Um, But uh, the areas that we work in, nobody has a job. Nobody has running water. Nobody has a house as you would think of it. Nobody thinks about electricity. I mean, we're talking about uh, National Geographic. And so the, the, this is the area that we've chosen to, to work. And the, it is, uh, Malawi is a, if I could, this sounds so harsh, but it is a cesspool of false doctrine. I mean, it, it, it's just crazy. They are influenced by everybody and their brother, uh, Prosperity gospel is a big thing in the poorest country in the world. It makes sense if you don't think about it. But for real, it it is just a a, a mind-blowing thing. So they do have a Bible in their language. And 
we haven't felt in the training that we could undermine the only Bible that they have. But as we're teaching them the, the proper hermeneutics or the proper principles of Bible study, I mean, we're going to start with 2 Timothy 2.15, talking about rightly dividing the word of truth. And it doesn't say that in theirs. It, 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 what their Bible is kind of like a NIV in, in our uh, country. It doesn't say study to show yourself approved. It doesn't say rightly dividing the word of truth. And so, wow, if you don't rightly divide this thing, you're going to be in the fields of the fatherless, man. And so... It's we for years now, we started off and I, I thought I had died and gone to heaven because we had 150 pastors that we were training. And that has, uh, in the recent years, we now have a thousand pastors that we're training. These are not guys that are hoping to pastor someday. These guys are pastoring churches, just have never had training. And so we're trying to provide that. And so Oh my goodness, when Pastor Randy informed me about the fact that there was going to be a Bible in the Chichewa language, the language of the Malawian people, uh, man, I just thought, oh my word, how in the world are we going to get this thing done? And lo and behold, that's what this week is all about. I, I can't tell you how important this week is. Listen, you may never get your footprint in Malawi, Africa, but I want to challenge you this week to get your fingerprints in Malawi, Africa, and you can do that by getting the Word of God put together for them. Uh, again, if you do the math, uh, we, we've got about a thousand pastors in the training, uh, if we said the average was 25 in the churches, uh, and it is more than that, but we're talking 25,000 people, that we are going to be able to get what we like to call the right word of God into their hands. And uh, so, y'all, I, I could go on and on and on, and I've got a lot to say in this passage we're going to look at today. But, uh, I, man, I just felt like I couldn't start this morning without letting you know that what we're doing this week is huge. Yes, I, I do benefit personally from it because we don't have to do the old soft shoe and a cane when we come to 2 Timothy 2.15 to try not to undermine their Bible and yet them understand the principles of Bible study that they don't most desperately need. And so... Anyway, that's, uh, man, and I, it even matches my outfit, you know. <laughs> Can't get better than that. Um, wow, it has been, it's been a crazy year. I, I, I know that probably everybody that comes your way is talking about that. It's been, uh, it's just been crazy for me as well. Uh, I, uh, I started my traveling schedule in January and uh, started having some physical issues. Uh, that turned into me finding out I had bladder cancer, had surgery in February uh, to remove several good-sized tumors, and yet uh, there's 
lots of other small ones that are in there that they knew that had to be treated. Uh, so I had the surgery. I was recovering and uh, waiting for the treatments to start. And uh, the week that they were supposed to start, I got COVID. My wife got COVID. This was back in March. So that, I was man, I was down for the count for a, a month, man. It was... And, and so, boy, fighting back out of all of that 2020, I can't wait for this decade to be over. <laughs> uh, and so, I, I, I just got to tell you this, y'all. This was, this, so this was last night. Um, uh, I, you know, Pastor Brian and I uh, had, you know, great time yesterday afternoon and into the evening and had a great dinner, fellowship. So I'm coming, you know, back to the, my room trying to, you know, get dialed in for the week and all of that. Uh, and so I finally lay down. I've been having a sinus headache all week, man. And so, you know, I'm just trying to get that out of my mind. The, the people next door uh, were drunk out of their minds. And they've got the TV blaring and they're laughing one minute, they're fighting the next, and I'm like, oh my word, man. And so I, I, I took my little app on my phone and put a fan blowing to try to, you know, block it out, <laughs> for real. And so I, I'm just about there. And pounding on the door. I mean, bam, 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 bam. And somebody's yelling, and I'm like, what in the world? I ain't going out there, man. And they're pounding again on the door. And so I, I, I thought I heard them say, police department. And I'm not kidding you. This is, this is not the preacher's setup, man. <laughs> so they're pounding on the door, yelling, police department. I'm thinking it's the people next door you know, messing with me because they're out of their minds. And uh, so, you know, I, I look through the peephole and I can see shadows, but I, I don't see anybody. And they're pounding again. Uh, Open this door. We want to, and, and oh, they had opened the door, but it had that little lock thing on, on there. And they're, you know, and I'm, I'm, we want to see your hands. And I'm like, <laughs> You know, trying to get them through the door. I got to close the door to get it open. Get out here in the hall. Get against the wall. Y'all, I, I don't want to be rude, but I'm in my drawers. <laughs> you know, I can't say, uh, could you excuse me for just a sec? So I go out into the hall. They're telling me to get my hands on the wall and I don't know if you've ever seen Home Alone 2 when the, he's got the, you know, the TV up real loud with the machine gun and all the people are looking out their doors like this. I look down the hall, everybody and their brother. And I'm in my draws. And so I get up against the wall. They take my hands. They handcuff me. And I, I'm going... What in the world is going on, man? And uh, so, you know, they're talking about people reported they heard a gunshot. And they said it was coming from my room. <laughs> so, um, 
There you go. What y'all been doing in the last 12 hours? <laughs> I, I thought I was being punked, for real. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, just to add to the craziness of, of 2020. Uh, but I will tell you that this, this year, uh, you, you know, I because of the Malawi thing and, and how I attempt to fund doing that, I, I do speak in Bible conferences and things like that. Uh, obviously, that's slowed down. It's picked back up. But I got to tell you, it is weird to me what has happened to us. I'm talking about Bible-believing people. Just the things that we fight about anymore. Uh, the, just the craziness. Sometimes I, I feel like, man, I think we've lost our common sense. And, you know, I, I'm not the, the most literate computer guy. I, I obviously use them, as we all do. I don't understand all the workings of it, but I do know that sometimes you're trying to work a, a program and it's just, it freezes up. You get the wheel of death that goes on and, you know, you, you want to throw it against something hard. And uh, you, you, just everything you start doing on the computer, it's just discombobulated, man. It's like it's on overload. And so what you have to do is you've got to reboot your hard drive. You know, to get it to where it's working again, to get it to where it function, it's functioning properly. And I, I kind of feel like even those of us that would refer to ourselves as Bible believers, maybe we need to just reboot our spiritual computer. I, I want this week to be an incredible week for, for me I want it to be an incredible week for you because of what God does and what he says to us from his word. But it, it, again, you know, I think we're supposed to be talking about the mission and missions. But I feel like maybe before we can hear about it, maybe because our minds are like the wheel of death, maybe, maybe we could take this morning to reboot our spiritual computer, to reboot our spiritual hard drive and, and get us mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and certainly most of all spiritually to where we're functioning the way that God intends for us to function. And I want to take you today, and if you have your Bible with you, why don't you take it now and turn to John chapter 7, you know, even if we hadn't had the year of, of 2020 and everything that has fallen out this, this year, I think there, there's times that all of us go through where we're getting opposition from all types of different areas. And again, sometimes we can feel like we're almost taking the standing eight count when it comes to everything that's going on in our, our, our lives. And we find ourselves at a place of frustration and, and maybe even more than frustration. And listen now, 
a, a place of disillusionment, a place of disheartening and a place of disillusioning. And, and in John chapter 7, Jesus finds himself at a place where the opposition in his ministry, in his life, the opposition has come from literally every conceivable direction. And if you look in, in John chapter 7, and I'll just kind of give you a running start to get to where we're going to look today. But in, in verses 1 through 13, the opposition has come from his own family. And even his own family has become uh, sarcastic and cynical toward him. Then in verses 14 through 19, the opposition has come from the religious crowd. And those, these are slides up there. There we go. In verses 14 through 19, the opposition has come from the religious crowd. And, and, and what's happening is the Jewish leaders are so ticked off at, at Jesus that they're literally trying to kill him. In, in verses 20 through 24, the non-religious crowd from all over Galilee and Judea, they're opposing him and they're thinking that he's demon-possessed. In, in verses 25 to 29, the, the people that are closest to Jesus or the people that you would think that would be the closest to him, the people of Jerusalem, they think they've got him all figured out and they're quite certain that he's not who he says that he is. And again, I don't know if you're there right now or if you've ever been there in your life when your family is all up in your stuff, the people at church are talking about you, the people at work are doing the same. The people that you never thought would oppose you are doubting you. They're causing other people to doubt you. And everywhere you turn, it's just opposition after opposition. And in the midst of all of that, what we sometimes fail to see is that there are spiritual powers that are at work in and behind all of that opposition and that's specifically what I want you to see this morning as we dive in to verses 30 to 53 and on into chapter 8 and verse 1 this morning. Satan and his principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Now what's happening in this passage, these spiritual powers have gone to work through the scribes and through the Pharisees and the chief priests and the Sadducees. And we see that all down through verse 30, again, all the way to chapter 8 and verse 1. I intended for us to read all of that together uh, for time's sake, because we are going to uh, be reading it as we make our way through it. I'll, I'll forego that. But I would like to just, before we actually dive into the passage, could I just ask you to bow your head and would you just right now, would you ask God to speak to you? And I don't know how you want to couch it with God, but would you just ask him to do something fresh in you, to reboot your spiritual hard drive or however you want to say it, but let's just all ask God, would you take this passage to my heart, to my life today. 
And Lord, we do thank you for this incredible opportunity to have your word and your words in our, our language. And we're so grateful that we're going to be able to, this week, get those words to the people in Malawi, Africa. And we just ask that you'll take command of every aspect of what goes on in this conference uh, through the assembling of the Bibles, but just as much in those times when we assemble together for the preaching of the Word. And so, Lord, I, I recognize that without you, I can do nothing. And just asking you today, by your Spirit, would you take the Word of God to our hearts and reboot us? Get us thinking the way that we need to be thinking and doing what we need to be doing in the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, now what, what John does in this passage, of course, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is he answers the question, what, what do we do in those times in our lives where the opposition of spiritual powers are coming at us from every conceivable direction. And I, I want us to see from these verses this morning, this is in your notes, six principles to keep in our hearts and minds in the midst of spiritual warfare. And here's the first thing that this passage teaches us about what we need to have in our heart and our mind. Number one, nothing will ever happen to us that God has not either appointed or allowed. And oh my, y'all, what an incredible principle that is. Check out what verse 30 says. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. Now, no, don't miss this. The reason that no man laid hand on him wasn't because they didn't want to. It wasn't because they didn't try to. It wasn't because they didn't think it was the right hour to take him out and kill him. But John says that nobody raised a finger upon him because his hour was not yet come. In other words, they didn't lay hands on him because God hadn't appointed it or allowed it. Listen, do you realize the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, his entire life was on a specific time schedule? Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 teaches us that Jesus was sent from the Father and he was born into this world when the fullness of time was come. Listen, man, it was timed right down to the very hour. It wasn't just a random little birth here. He came at the exact hour that the Father intended. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, Daniel lets us know, listen to this, y'all, that there was a specific day and there was a specific time for Jesus to make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And there was a specific day, there was a specific time for him to hang on that cross. 
And there was a specific hour when he would be cut off. And listen, until that day, until that time, until that hour that God himself had appointed, it didn't matter what any man or any spiritual being or spiritual power anywhere in existence, no matter what they sought to do, it wasn't going to happen because it was on God's time schedule, not man's. And listen, y'all, do you realize that our life is on a specific time schedule as well? Which means that there's never going to be a single thing that will ever happen to us that God hasn't either appointed or allowed. You find out you got bladder cancer and you turn around and you got COVID, nothing happens to us that is not either appointed or allowed. The the enemy doesn't want us living according to that principle, y'all. Because he knows if we could really get to the place to where we believe that, if listen, if we really believed that today, that nothing can and nothing will happen to us, that the sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent God in heaven has not either appointed or allowed, if we could get to where we believe that, I promise you, y'all, it would change our lives. Because let me, let me just ask you, do you think it would make a difference in your life if every morning before you got off on your day, Jesus physically came to you? He ain't going to do that. If he does, see a doctor, Okay. <laughs> But wouldn't it make a difference if if Jesus would come to us on a daily basis and every morning he says, now listen, I love you and I want to remind you of something. I've got a plan that I'm working in your life and I want you to know that there is nothing that is going to happen in your life today that has not either been specifically appointed or sovereignly allowed. Listen, you would go off into your day and whatever came. Hey, I already know about this. We've already talked about this. And do you realize the spring that would put in your step? Can you imagine the confidence that you would have as you maneuvered through your daily circumstances? Do you understand how your faith would shield you from doubt and from fear and from discouragement. Listen, have you ever wondered how in the world it was that the apostle Paul, like Christ before him, lived the way that he lived with the boldness that he had, the zeal that he had, the tenacity that he had? I mean, you you look at this dude and it didn't matter what it was. I mean, this guy was like the spiritual energizer bunny, man. He just kept going and going and going. And circumstances didn't matter. And what it cost him didn't matter. 
in the face of danger, with the threat of imprisonment, with the threat of being beaten and being beaten and stoned and even death. Listen, in Jesus' name, the apostle Paul was going to press on. And you know why? It was because he believed this principle that we're talking about. He was convinced down in the depth of his very soul that nothing would ever and nothing could ever come his way that hadn't first passed through his sovereign God. And listen, there were certainly a lot of things that came his way that, that weren't fun. There were a lot of things that came his way that he certainly wouldn't have chosen for himself. There were a lot of things that came his way that weren't good things in and of themselves. But he believed God was in control of his life, not Satan. And he believed that God was in control of his life, not man. And he believed that no matter what that thing was, they may, whatever it was that would take place in his life, He believed that God was going to, Romans 8, 28 it. That God would take that thing and he would work it together with all of the other things in his life and he believed that there would be a time that that thing would be for his good and would be for God's glory. And sure, man, he knew that there was a very real and a very powerful enemy that had the ability to wreak some major havoc in his life. But he had learned from Job chapter 1 that Satan and his spiritual forces, as powerful as they may be, could not do jack squat to him without permission from God. And Paul knew that if, if God had, had granted spiritual permission for those spiritual powers to attack, he believed that though Satan and all of his imps would mean it for evil, just like Genesis 50, 20 says, he believed that God would mean it for good. And again, that he would work it together to accomplish his wonderful and sovereign plan for his life. And oh my goodness, y'all, for God's glory's sake, as believers in the last days, could I just challenge all of us, man? I'm talking about the guy running his mouth as well. And could we begin to live our lives believing this principle? Nothing is ever going to happen that God has not either appointed or allowed. Hallelujah. And that leads us to the second principle. The enemy is relentless in his attacks, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Look again at John 7 and verse 32. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Listen, Satan and his network of demonic forces are relentless, y'all. They just keep coming and coming. They just keep pounding and pounding. 
And you know why they keep doing that? It's because they have had an incredible success rate doing that throughout the centuries. You know, we've got to realize that Satan is, he's been around for a long time. And he's got a lot of helpers that have been around just as long as he has. And, and they've got a lot of experience now. And it, there's a, this telling verse in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. And, and the, this verse is actually about the Antichrist and how he will work during the tribulation period. And so just make sure that we have this in our minds. That just like Christ was God in a human body, the Antichrist is going to be Satan in a human body. And, and listen, by the time he inhabits that human body, he doesn't just have 40 years of experience at that point. He's got 6,000 years of experience. It's Satan in a human body. And what it says, with all of that experience that Satan has gleaned through the years, Daniel 7.25 says, and he will wear out the saints of the Most High. Listen, y'all, the devil is, he's like a, a, a... a boxer, and he just keeps jabbing and jabbing and pounding and pounding at your midsection. And he knows that pounding you in your midsection isn't going to knock you out. But he knows that if he can just keep pounding your rib cage over and over and over in time, it's going to wear you out, and your arms are going to drop down to protect that area. And that's when he gives you a left, right smack dab in your nose just before the right hook comes and knocks you out. Listen, that's the way the enemy works, okay? He's not inhabited the Antichrist just yet. Okay, but listen, the way that he operates in these last days is the same way he's going to be operating when he inhabits that being. And we've got, just got to understand, he gets it, man. The way to get victory over God's people, the saints, is he just works to wear us out, man. Just one thing after another. Bam! But what we learn from Jesus in this passage is that even though he's relentless, relentless in his opposition, we don't go through life with a defeatist attitude. Oh, please. We don't go through life tiptoeing around with a Satan focus. We go through life believing God. We go through life trusting God. We go through life obeying God, holding tenaciously to 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen, y'all? Listen, we live in the reality of what the Spirit of God said to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Be strong. In the Lord and in the power, listen, of 
his might, not our strength, not our power, not our might, but the Lord's. In verse 11, we put on the whole armor of God so we can stand. Listen, we in this warfare, we're not there to fight it because Jesus has already fought it and he's already won it. He's already won the victory through his death, burial, and resurrection. And when he raised us to new life, you understand he gave us the victory. Now, all he wants us to do is put on the whole armor of God so we can not fight, but stand in the victory that he's already won. So we don't go through our days in timidity and uncertainty and frailty because we really do believe, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Listen, y'all, you and me on our own trying to stand against the God of this world and his network of spiritual powers and forces, we don't stand a chance. But praise God, y'all, we don't stand alone. The holy God of the universe has already kicked Satan sorry behind through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Christ came up out of that grave and he ascended out of the center of the earth so he could take up residence in us and now we stand in him because he lives in us and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so at the end of verse 32, the Pharisees and the chief priests send officers to take him. These officers, we might call the temple police. They come knocking on people's hotel rooms at night. And, and again, they were, they were sent to take him. But when they come back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, verse 45, the officers come back empty-handed. And so the chief priests and the Pharisees said unto them, Why have you not brought him? Hey. We sent you to go do this. Where is he? In verse 46, the officers answered, Never man spake like this man. In other words, yeah, boss, we we came to arrest him. But when he spoke, he arrested us. And I think this is a a group of people who understands just what it was that arrested them. It wasn't the fact that he was a great speaker, though he certainly was, or simply that he, he, he just had a way with words, or simply that he spoke with authority. Listen, what arrested them is he was speaking the word of God. And verse 47 says, Then answered them the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? Are you kidding me right now? Have any of the rulers uh, or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, I love this little parenthesis, he that came to Jesus by night being one of them. It's that same Nicodemus. 
Doth our law judge any man before it heareth, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. Come on, Nicodemus, what's wrong with your theology, bro? So again, they come to take him in verse 32, and his words take them. And in verse 33 to 36, John records the actual words that Jesus spoke. And in these verses, it reveals to us the third principle that we must keep in our heart and our minds in the midst of spiritual warfare, and that is the time will soon come when our enemies will not be able to get at us. Watch what Jesus says in verse 33. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go that we shall not find him? Come on. Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? Because we're not going to have anything to do with them. Maybe that's where he's going. What manner of saying is this, that he said, ye shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come. And do understand here, the reason that they wouldn't be able to find him, and the reason that they wouldn't be able to go where he was going, was because after his death, burial, and resurrection, he was going to be raised up off of this planet and ascend through the earth's atmosphere, through outer space, all the way to the very throne room of God in the third heaven, right where he was before his incarnation, in his rightful place of glory. And all of these spiritual powers working in and through these spiritual leaders on the earth, they would seek him. And Jesus says to him, listen, y'all, in just a little while, you're going to seek me. You're not going to be able to find me. And where I'll be is somewhere you can't be because you won't humble yourselves and acknowledge who I am as God in human flesh and who you are before me. Sinners. So Jesus basically says to him, man, you better try to do whatever it is that you're thinking you want to do because in just a little while, you're going to seek me and you're not going to be able to find me because I'm going somewhere you can't go and you won't be able to find me. And as I pondered that, listen, y'all, do you realize, folks, that in the spiritual warfare we're in, we can say the same exact thing? Because the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, he tells us again in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 to, and 52, what he tells us is that in our salvation, listen, we were placed into Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And because of that, in just a little while, we too are going to be raised up bodily off of this planet and in the moment in the twinkling of an eye we too will ascend through this earth's atmosphere through outer space all the way to the very throne room of God in the third heaven and in a glorified body will take our seat in heavenly places and buddy when that happens Satan 
along with every principality and power and ruler of darkness and spiritual being in high places that have been pounding us and jabbing us and coming against us ever since we were born again. They're going to seek us and they're going to try to take us, but it ain't going to happen because we're going to be out of here. And where we're going, they can't come. And again, I say, hallelujah to you. Then in verses 37 through 39, we pick up through the ministry of Jesus another principle to hide in our hearts and minds in the midst of crazy spiritual warfare, and that is number four. Until the last day, we must never lose sight of our mission. Jesus says in verses 37 to 39, in the last day, that great day of the feast, John says this, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, but that because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And you know what I love in this, in this passage? Listen, Jesus, all, and that's why I did what I did at the beginning and just showing you all this opposition. All he's received in this entire chapter is opposition. And it's come in every direction. But what I love about this is that you never find Jesus acting like or feeling like he's a victim. Everywhere I go, I see people that are living like they're victims for crying out loud, man. Jesus never, through this whole thing, never lost sight of why he was on this planet. He just keeps focusing on the mission. And in the midst of the opposition, he just keeps extending the invitation. Did you see it? As he, come, believe, receive. And the reality is, folks, listen, even in the midst of the warfare we face in life, if we ever get to the place to where we are are living like we are a victim. I promise you, we are never going to get God's mission accomplished in our lives. I can assure you, listen, the devil is going to provide countless ways for us to feel victimized. And that's his goal because he knows that feeling like a victim is a death to vision. And it's a breeding ground for bitterness because with bitterness in our hearts and with no vision in our soul, he knows we're sunk. And he's got us right where he wants us. And again, in the midst of all the opposition Jesus faces here in John chapter 7, you gotta love it. He never gave in to a, I'm a victim mentality. He knew that he had been sent by the Father on a mission, and I love this little phrase, until the last day of the feast. 
in spite of everything that might have gotten him down or gotten him discouraged or depressed him or caused him to feel sorry for himself or sit around and lick his wounds and cause him not to focus on the mission through all of it, man. He never lost sight of why God made him come or allowed him to come to this planet. And we see that so clearly in verses 37 in 38, in the midst of the opposition, Jesus is just still wonderfully and beautifully, and he's just hammering away at his mission. Again, I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters, listen, if we ever really got serious about who we are in Christ, and we, we get serious about fulfilling God's purpose for putting us in his family and keeping us on the earth, then just like Jesus, what's going to happen is we're going to face incredible opposition. We're going to get it from all of the same directions that Jesus got it. And somewhere in the deep recesses of our soul, we've got to get to a place of resolve that, listen, until our last day on this planet rather than ever allowing ourselves to to get in a little pity party funk where we're sitting around licking our wounds we receive from all of our opposers and allowing ourselves to get discouraged and depressed and losing our focus about whose we are and why he has us here and allowing ourselves to forget that just like Jesus said about himself at the end of verses 32 and 33, we are now the sent ones from the Father having received the mission. You see it in verse 37, the mission of offering the water of life to every man who is thirsty so they might, as verses 38 and 39 say, have the Spirit of God flowing in them and through them like rivers of living water. Again, we got to resolve, y'all, that somewhere in our heart, in our soul, in our mind, that with all that is within us until the last day, that we'll never lose sight of our mission and never let anybody or anything anywhere at any time keep us from fulfilling that thing. We must resolve, as 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, that we will be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. But as we do, there's a fifth thing that we better have in our hearts and our minds. And that is, number five, anywhere and everywhere we go, we will always be the cause of division among the people. We'll always be the cause of division among the people. Verse 43 says, so there was division among the people. Because of him. And and listen, because the same spiritual forces are at work in the world and in the people of the world as there was in Jesus' day. And because as 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17 says, as he is, that is Christ, so are we in this world. Listen, y'all, we too will constantly be the source 
and the cause of division among people. And we've got to get that in our heads, y'all. If, listen, if we think the way that Jesus wants us to think, if we act the way that Jesus wants us to act, if we react the way that Jesus wants us to react, if we do what he tells us to do, if we say what he wants us to say, I guarantee you people won't remain neutral toward us any more than they did with Jesus. And people will pigeonhole us just like they did Jesus. Like Jesus in verse 40, some people are going to think we're the real deal, that we are who we claim to be, but they, they probably won't quite understand what that is. And like Jesus in the first part of verse 41, others are going to get it. And like people did with Jesus in the second part of verse 41, and like they did with Jesus in verse 31, some people are going to have questions about us and will become the subject of conversations that they have with each other. And then like the people in verse 44, we're going to tick some people off, man. And if they had their way, they're going to do us harm. But the fact is, if we're really allowing Christ to live through us, there will be a division among the people because of us. And we'll do well to know that, y'all, before it happens because in the midst of it, I can tell you, it is very painful and it's often very disillusioning and that's the enemy's goal. And then one last principle. This passage teaches us to to keep in our hearts and our minds, number six, after intense opposition from the enemy, we must be sure to find a place of refuge with our Father. Okay, so in in this passage, when this whole Feast of Tabernacles has ended, with all the opposition that it brought to our Lord, verse 53 says, and every man went to his own house. Okay, and, and do you remember Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 58, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not to, where to lay his head. And in light of that, when we read John seven fifty three about every man going to his own house, you got to love what the next verse says. It's in the next chapter. Sometimes we don't make this connection because of that. John chapter 8 and verse 1 says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. I mean, what, what an incredible contrast. You know, the last verse of chapter 7 and the first verse of chapter 8. Every man went to his own house. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And do you understand in in the ministry of of Jesus, the Mount of Olives was the place that Jesus consistently went to be with his Father? I mean, listen, y'all, this was their meeting place. The Mount of Olives was a place of refuge for Jesus. Oh, listen, it was the place where in his humanness, He came and he poured out his heart to the Father. 
It was there that the Father ministered to him. It was the place where he received comfort. It was the place where Jesus, again, in his humanness, received strengthening. It was a place of recouping for him. It was a place of regrouping for him. In the context of my little title for today, it was a place where he rebooted his spiritual hard drive. And may the Lord speak to all of us this morning that, it, listen, if our Lord in his humanness needed that kind of a place in the midst of the opposition that he faced, we better make sure, y'all, that there is somewhere in our world a place. I love the way that Psalm 91 talks about this place. You know what he calls it? He calls it a secret place. Some place, uh, a mount of olives, if you will, where we go. A, a meeting place, if you will, where we're able to get with our Heavenly Father and find in Him a place of refuge where we find in him as 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, where we find, listen, not only a God of comfort, but the God of all comfort. Where we find as Romans 15 and verse 13 says, not only the God of peace, but the God of hope that fills us with all peace, where we find in him as 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8 says, not only the God of grace, but the God of all grace, and that he may make it, as the rest of the verse goes on to say, abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work to strengthen us in the battle. Where we find, y'all, as the psalmist said in Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. You know what Selah is? The Psalms are songs and if you know anything about music, there is written into music places where there is a rest in the music. And it's just interesting that every time we find the word Selah in the Bible, it's always pointing us to that time of rest when Jesus Christ 
comes and sits on that throne in Jerusalem and every knee is bowing and every tongue is confessing and the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea and every knee is bowing and every tongue is confessing and all the earth is worshiping him and singing unto his name. That's our refuge. The millennium and yet The Lord Jesus Christ wants to give us that refuge and that rest, even in the midst of all of the craziness that is going on around us. And Pastor, I'm going to ask you to come and and put a bow on this. But y'all, I wanted to make sure before we just hauled off and had us a Bible conference and a mission conference that we took the time to just allow the Lord to regroup us, to reboot us so that we're ready to hear what it is that he he would have for us. Pastor. Together in an attitude of prayer, Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne right now thinking as uh, we've been asked.